Odd Trails contains adult language and content. These stories can be frightening for some. Listener discretion is advised. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. It was August when I moved in. At the time, my mother had been suffering from multiple health issues for months and had been in and out of different hospitals fairly often. She and my father slept in different bedrooms since she had grown more and more agitated about my father's loud snoring. In the months that I stayed with them, my mother's bedroom always made me feel a bit uncomfortable. She had rose pink drapes hanging around the canopy bed and the room did not get much direct sunlight, since its only window faced the northeast. I never wanted to stay there for longer than 15 minutes. Due to her illness, my mother lost more than 30 pounds and weighed a mere 85 by the end of October. She had a lot of antibiotic-resistant infections affecting multiple organs. Her doctors were extremely puzzled and couldn't pinpoint what the exact cause was. It was heart-wrenching to see my mother slowly withering into an extremely frail and depressive person. At one point, she even thought that she was dying. In early December, one of my mother's cousins came over to the house for the first time and was immediately very concerned about my mother's bedroom. It's full of messy energy, she said, as she described how she felt and said it gave her a bad headache as soon as she entered the bedroom. That got my parents' attention. My mom's cousin informed my parents that she knew someone special who might be able to help with my mother's odd illness. The person was a medicine man and feng shui master. Running out of options, my parents agreed to invite the master to the house the following week. I was home with them on the day that the master arrived, He first instructed my father to remove all wooden statues that my father had collected over the years. You can put them in the garage or storage room, definitely not in your living space, the master claimed. According to him, each of those statues carried their own chaotic energies and were not the friendly ones. When he entered my mother's bedroom, he shook his head in disbelief. He told us that there were things he did not like and that he needed to get rid of them as soon as possible. He handed my father a calabash. The master told my father to leave it in my mother's bedroom with the lid open, and then we waited. That was the late afternoon. My father and the master's assistant were at work, moving the wooden statues from the house into the garage, while my mother rested in the guest room with me. At around dinner time, my mother started to develop a horrible panic attack. She was extremely jittery, short of breath, 
and could not stop scratching her chest. She told me it felt like something was inside of her, and she needed to get it out. I had never seen my mother that way. Her face and chest, they were beet red. She acted like a wounded and angry animal. Scared and alarmed, I ran to the garage to tell everyone what was going on. The master yelled out, We've got something. He instructed my father to retrieve the calabash from my mother's bedroom and put the lid back on. My father followed the order and then handed it to the master. Right after that, my mother's panic attack subsided quickly, like nothing had even happened. Her face and her chest turned to the normal pale, fair tone with visible red scratch marks that she had done to herself just moments ago, and she was calm. The master grabbed the calabash and stared at it for a while, then closed his eyes before declaring, We caught it. What was in that calabash? We all wanted to know. According to the master, it seemed to be a type of black magic, an ill-intended spell that someone had cast onto the house. However, my mother wasn't necessarily the target. It was only because she had a weak immune system to begin with that made it easy for this bad energy to attach to her. Strangely, after that unexplainable event, my mother's health began to improve day by day. By the next spring, she regained her health. Even doctors were amazed by it. No, my parents did not tell the doctors about what happened with the master since they didn't think the doctors would believe them. That was more than 10 years ago. Until today, we still have zero idea what the hell was going on. I'm just feeling grateful that my mother is still with us, with good health and all. And they all still live in that house, happily and peacefully. The year is 2011, and I'm on a family vacation. We were wandering the Gettysburg battlefield during an on-and-off bus tour when we heard one boy playing a drum and a girl on a piccolo. Not ghosts, modern kids playing for tips. My mom managed to see them, but I hardly could. Gettysburg is huge. It's multiple fields and an entire town. And unless you're a huge history geek or have been there, it can be hard to imagine how expansive it is. We were at a large valley where the acoustics were carrying their music. I was in band since the fourth grade and also a mega history nerd, so it made me ecstatic to see kids incorporating both into their fun. I mentioned it aloud, how happy that made me and that if I had had the time to cross the enormous valley before the bus took off, I would have tipped them. The day goes on pretty normally. We actually went on a ghost tour, but nothing happened. My sister ended up staying at the hotel room because she wasn't feeling well, so she just tried to sleep it off. Thus, by the time we got back to the hotel, she was wide awake when everyone else just wanted to go to sleep. I didn't mind, though. I told her if she wanted to stay up on her phone under the covers, it wouldn't bother me. I laid down and began to drift off as she texted her friends back home. Then, all of a sudden, I hear, tap, tap, 
tap, tap. A drum? I sat up and looked around. Nothing. But why would I see anything? There's no more noise, so I laid back down. Tap, tap. Tap, tap. A snare drum. I'm sure of it. I sit up again and look around, trying to listen. But all I can hear is my father's obnoxious snoring. But then it happens again. And again. I look over at my sister, praying she's awake. She still is, so I ask her if she heard the tapping. She rolls her eyes and says it's just her texting. Then the tapping happens again, and I listen to her text. They are not the same sound. I told her so. I insisted. She says it has to be the rain. It's raining pretty hard, and thunder booms every now and then, so I thought maybe that was the case. But then it happens again, and I know it's not the same sound. I tell her to listen. She thinks she may hear it, but she's not sure. It's distant, for sure. All of the times I've heard it, the drumming sounds like it can only be coming from outside or a few rooms over. Through the walls, not in the room. So we lay back down and start to go back to sleep, although we never really do so. We're lying in bed, and I think I hear it faintly. When my sister then elbows me, I elbow her back. The drumming is loud now, really loud, and we flail around hitting one another because we have no words but have to communicate somehow that, yes, we are hearing this. We start freaking out. Then thunder booms, lightning strikes, and the power surges. Lights illuminate the room, and then. Nothing. No more drums. To this day, my sister and I love to tell this story. How do you explain both of us experiencing it? How do you write it off? My father thought it could have been faulty air conditioning or something like that. But when he inquired with the front desk, the clerk laughed and told him no, and that stuff like that happens all the time. It was Gettysburg, after all. My friends and I started high school, and we were delivering newspapers on our bicycles six days a week, taking turns throughout the week. We usually got up at about 4 a.m. to get the job done and got back in time for school. On Saturdays, we would also take turns and whoever was off would just meet up at somebody else's house after everybody finished delivering papers so that the day's shenanigans could start, basically just doing boy stuff. I was off one Saturday and woke up at around 5 a.m. I ate, got dressed, jumped on my bike, and headed over to my friend's house. When I got there, it was silent. And usually, he and his brother would be outside, or with another friend of ours. I got off my bike, walked into the yard, and I found the front door ajar. It was dead silent in his house. His parents were still asleep as well. 
This was just as dawn started to break. It was about 6 a.m. in the winter. As I walked into the living room, I found two of my friends huddled up on the sofa, each with a weapon in their hand. One had an old sword that his dad kept around the house, and the other had a golf club. They sat there wide-eyed, staring at me as I came into view. They told me that they came back from their deliveries at around 5.30 a.m. They proceeded to take their bikes into the garage. The garage was split at the end by a chain-link fence. It ran from the floor to the ceiling at the edge of the garage, meaning that the car's bumper would be close to it when parked. The bicycles and tools and whatnot got stored behind this fencing, as there was a separate door for access. The garage was also a separate building from the house. Okay, now that you've got the picture, as they entered the dark garage and wheeled their bikes into the storage, behind the car, this being started wailing and screaming. They described it as tall, almost ceiling height, with long arms and a big head. It was thin and it had very long fingers. A typical tall gray. In the few seconds that they stood there frozen, the being started hacking at the closed garage door with its fingers. So they bolted out of there and ran into the house, grabbed their makeshift weapons, then sat in utter fear on the sofa. I myself did not arrive there long after this took place. The time frames I'm giving are also just estimates. We sat there contemplating all of this and waited for the sun to fully rise. At about 8 a.m., we headed over to the garage and found nothing apart from long, thin slashes all over the inside of the garage door. It separated the paint slightly with clear, thin grooves cut into the metal. We decided not to talk about it, but it was a fun story to tell at school. No one believed them, naturally, and I mostly let them do the talking. About two years later, this friend moved homes from where this all happened. We're at his house party, so he's there as well as all the other guys that were involved. I randomly recall that morning and ask the first guy about it. He just looks at me in a way like, what the fuck did you just ask me? I'm taken aback because we're usually really good friends. The other guy, not so much anymore. But I then go and ask him. And he looks at me like I'm crazy. I was baffled by their reactions. I felt alienated, no pun intended, and never bothered to ask about it again. This is not the first time I've noticed this memory wipe thing going on. Any thoughts are welcome. My family has a habit of revisiting the same vacation spots. For the last 10 years, we have routinely visited a small island in the Bahamas called Manawar. Due to the limestone bed that the island rests on, burying its residents proves to be quite difficult. When a resident passes, their remains are encased in a concrete slab, which is then placed into a shallow, carved limestone hole 
and adorned with the tombstone. Bodies remain almost at surface level as a result. Now, onto the story. On September 1st, 2019, Category 5 Hurricane Dorian hit the Bahamas and sat over this particular island for 24 hours with wind speeds of 180 miles per hour. Homes were torn off their foundations and found upside down hundreds of feet away. Countless homes were flooded and ripped apart. Sailboats and catamarans moored in the harbor were ripped off their lines and shattered high on the surrounding limestone cliffs. Most notably, the beach neighboring the island's only cemetery was severely eroded by the violent ocean waves, and the limestone base underneath the graveyard collapsed during the storm. Graves were washed out in rapid succession. Tombstones and concrete body casings were carried by rushing water out into the neighboring sea and cracked into many pieces as debris from neighboring houses were tossed in the water with them. After the storm calmed, many bodies were discovered as missing, and many more were relocated amongst the nearby reefs and shallows of the beach. A few years later, after many trips to assist in rebuilding the island, my parents bought a small house on the shore. We stayed there with my extended family for a week over Christmas. Even though we were post-hurricane for nearly two years, the power to the island was still intermittent, and the night before our departure, the electricity cut out for the night. Early the next morning, the electricity still hadn't come back on, but we needed to get the house cleaned for our departure. This included the grueling task of doing the dishes, but unfortunately, the house water pump wouldn't work without electricity. My parents and I volunteered to scrub the dishes in the shallow waters of the beach. It was still pitch black outside, and hours until sunup. The morning was calm, with the sea and night sky mixed into one single inky black mass. A partially waning moon lit the beach and calm sea in an eerie backlight glow. Separating out the dishes duty, my mom went down into the shallows and was in charge of scrubbing the dishes with biodegradable soap, sand, and a sponge. My dad stood beside her and was in charge of trading her clean dishes for dirty ones that he brought down from me on the shore. I was tasked with bringing out dirty dishes from the kitchen, getting clean ones from my dad to do a final rinse in our fresh water bucket and then drying them. When we were about halfway through doing dishes, I was gathering the remaining dirty utensils to bring to my dad down on the beach. From the back of the house, there's a clear view of the beach and the shallows, about a hundred feet away. This was good because I wanted to gauge my parents' progress and see if I had a moment to take a break and catch my breath. When I looked down the beach, I saw the silhouette of my mom. She was bent over in the shallows, scrubbing a big pot. I could see her features, with her blonde hair falling over her face as she knelt down. Behind her was the silhouette of my dad, facing the opposite direction. 
he was bent over like my mom and seemed to be picking something up in the shallows. He was perfectly backlit by the moon, so his features were all black, with only a slim white outline surrounding him. I thought this was odd as I could see my mom's features and not my dad's, but chalked it up to him being backlit by the moon. I was then interrupted in my observation of them by movement over my right shoulder. I turned to look in the direction of the movement, and there was my dad, standing right beside me, with his arms full of clean dishes. I gave him a look of shock and disbelief. I thought you were down there with mom, I said. I don't know what you're talking about, my dad said. I had to go to the bathroom. I've been up here for a few minutes. I'm just going back to help your mom right now. I continued to stare at him for a second, bewildered. I then quickly glanced back down to the beach. My mom was alone, standing in the water with a pot in her hands. My dad grabbed the utensils from my hands to bring down to her. I tried to rationalize what I just saw. I was tired, I said to myself. I had something in my eye. I saw my mom's shadow on the water. Somehow it had flipped direction and stance. Eventually, being the skeptic I am, I just chalked the mystery figure up to exhaustion and bad lighting. A few minutes later, my dad returned to the back of the house, carrying the rest of the dishes. My mom followed behind him and stopped to talk to me on the back porch. You'll never guess what just happened to me, she said. What? I said, confused because I was the one who had just spent the past five minutes convincing myself I wasn't crazy. When your dad left to go to the bathroom, I was bending over to wash a pot when all of a sudden, I felt this warm breeze go by. Next thing I know, I felt a splash of water hit my butt, like someone was splashing me. The water was calm out there, and I thought your dad had sneaked back behind me to splash me. But when I turned around, there was nothing there. When I turned back towards the pot, I thought I heard the faint sound of laughter. I checked over my shoulder again and nothing. I think someone was out there with me. You know, a few of the old graves washed out in that area. A concrete body casing was only a few feet in front of me underwater. I bet one of them was messing with me. She chuckled and said, After all, we are new to the island. I stared back at her, eyes wide. What? she asked. What's wrong? I told her what I had just seen mere moments ago, my voice being both panicked and excited. When I finished, she sat silent for a moment and finally exclaimed gently, Huh. That was at the same time. You must have seen him, and I must have felt him and heard him. I mean, I was practically standing on his grave. I'm sure he's friendly, though. He could have easily pushed me in, but he didn't. So he must be friendly. Most people out here are, so it only makes sense that they would be after they die, too. My mom shrugged, then walked back inside to clean as if it were the most casual thing in the world to be splashed by a ghost.
we've been back to that house and beach many more times since. We haven't seen anything else, but every now and then, when we are taking our nightly beach walks, we walk through a patch of warm breeze and tell the seaside ghosts hello. I was raised very religiously all the way through high school, and I 100% believed it. God, angels, demons, all of it. I no longer believe in any particular religion, and am generally pretty iffy about ghosts. But these are two experiences that I had that do make me think that there are some dark things out there that we can't really explain. The first experience I had was with two buddies from my church during a good old-fashioned sleepover. All throughout high school and my 20s, I would house-sit for neighbors, other church members, family friends, etc. This specific night, I had invited my two friends to spend the night so that we could get in some good Christian fun. This basically meant anything besides drugs or alcohol. So I can say for sure that we were stone-cold sober that night. While we were just chilling, my friend Jake casually mentioned that lately, As he was falling asleep in those in-between sleeping and waking moments, he would feel something slightly off in the room and his bed would begin to gently pulse as if it had its own heartbeat. Jake was the only one of us at the time who ever partied, so my friend Jimmy and I assumed this was probably something he only thought happened while he was stoned or drunk, so we both laughed it off. The three of us eventually settled into one of the bedrooms, which must have been a kid's room because there were bunk beds that Jake and I shared. I slept on the top bunk, and he slept on the bottom. I remember as I was falling asleep, this deep feeling of dread and a certainty that if I fell asleep right then, I was going to have the worst dreams I had ever experienced. I remember the room began to feel much colder as well. It was right then that I began to feel a gentle pulsing underneath me, as if the bed had a heartbeat. I instantly assumed that Jake was messing with me, having planted a seed with his spooky story earlier. I quietly hear him say, Dave, do you feel that? I replied, Stop it, Jake. I'm not falling for it. How dumb do you think I am? It isn't me, dude, he says. And as he does, I peer over the bed to see him extending both arms and legs while the bed continues to pulse. It was so cold that I could see Jimmy's breath as he quietly lay on the floor, clearly trying to ignore the situation away. We were all genuinely terrified. We sat in silence until eventually we fell back to sleep. I'm still friends with both of them all these years later. They genuinely felt... This was a strange and unexplainable experience. Now, the other experience may or may not be related and is more of a nightmare or a vivid dream. I just know that it was relatively close proximity to the other story, and since I haven't had any other similar experiences, it seems that they may be related because of that. This nightmare felt more real than any other dream or nightmare 
I have experienced to this day. Most of my dreams and my nightmares are cartoonishly random and extreme. This dream, however, was so real, I still remember feeling unsure how a dream could feel that real. I was taking a long nap in my room when this occurred. In the dream, everything in my room was just as it is in waking life. I was asleep on the bed. The clock radio near my bed turned itself on and began to make the sound that the radio makes when tuning in between stations. It was like that, but instead of music, I began to notice the sounds in between the static were strange, demonic-sounding voices, speaking in languages that I couldn't audibly understand. Somehow, as they continued to speak, despite not knowing their language, I began to know with certainty that whatever or whoever they were, they were saying that they knew I was listening, and they were going to find me. They were going to take my soul. I began to pray in my dream as hard and loud as I could in hopes of drowning the voices out. As I did, the volume of the radio increased, and the voices went from speaking to screaming. In an instant, I snapped out of it and instinctively rolled out of my bed and sprinted down the hall out of my room. Thankfully, I haven't experienced anything like either of these stories since. I have no desire to have any more experiences like these. And hopefully it stays that way. Happy Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween. Not, uh, I, I would say in the last few years, I haven't done a lot for Halloween. Haven't really gone to any parties or done, done really anything until this year. Me either. Yeah, exactly. It's just kind of like been with like COVID and just people being weird about stuff. Like just no parties, no, no going out, no nothing. Are, are you a big Halloween celebration person? Do you do stuff? For Halloween? Within the confines of my own imagination, I guess, just kind of hanging around the house and the rare occasion I get invited to a party, I might go. I know this year I'm going to put a little bit of effort into it. I got some new clown makeup. <laughs> my other one was expired. Never used it. I bought it on a road trip spontaneously. So you're just going to put on clown makeup in your, your house by yourself and just watch movies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a good chance there will be a portion of that. Yeah, but... I'm going to go out. We'll see what happens. I have an authentic clown nose, so I really hope to put that to use. And my makeup skills, we'll see how that is. It's been a while. You say authentic clown nose. What does that mean? It's just like a pretentious thing. Kind of like how, oh, I can't believe this is the first example that popped into my mind. This is sacrilegious. But yeah. you have Taco Bell, then you have, dare I say, authentic Mexican food. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't have a Taco Bell nose. I have an authentic clown nose. I know. That but makes sense. So I'm, I'm curious because authentic... Mexican food, obviously much different than Taco Bell. What's the difference between uh, the Taco Bell of clown noses and an authentic clown nose? I'm so oh, curious like about structurally, this. like structurally or anything. Like what's the, like what's the decisive. Well, you have there? like the cheap 50 cent gumball machine. Okay. Foam noses. Right. And then you have the ones that are actually like cast in really thick rubber and they're painted oh okay. high quality so it, shit okay so there's actually quality material there oh yeah it's like there's like some really stiff like almost fiberglass type of material oh okay 
Yeah, it's nice. It's really nice. Okay, cool. So you're just going to wear your clown makeup. <laughs> you should just go uh, do regular life stuff in clown makeup all day long. Just like go to the bank, uh, go to Taco Bell. <laughs> uh, well, that's not outside of the realm of possibility. Yeah, same. <laughs> you know what I wanted to do? And this may sound silly, but I think you would agree it would be a noble thing to do. Since I like the whole clown thing, the the good type of clowns. Yeah. Do you remember your first Halloween? Do you know what you did there? Or like the first one you remember celebrating as far as trick-or-treating and stuff? I do, actually. And I have pictures of that. I was a Dalmatian for some reason. Cute. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad. But my first costume that I picked for myself was, I'm sure you can guess, a clown. A clown. But that was when I was in preschool or something. But from kindergarten up until like seventh grade, I was always a ninja always interesting that's yeah it's an it's a fun easy costume ninjas were really big when we were kids like every every movie had ninjas it was uh surf ninjas three ninjas ninja turtles um there was double dragon power rangers kind of going through the same thing Mm -hmm. yeah yeah ninja ninja kicked the damn rabbit ninja was like the coolest (laughs) thing ever when we were kids i never i don't think i dressed up as a ninja but i also didn't celebrate halloween a lot because we were so traditionally Christian and Pentecostal. Instead of Halloween, we had harvest festivals at our church Aww. where we just, you know, ate gross food and played games. I mean, it was fun, obviously, but I was missing out on a lot of fun Halloween stuff when I was younger. Did you get really good at cornhole? Yeah, I, I'm pretty good at cornhole. You could say I'm a, I'm a cornholiest. Nice. A corn, yeah, a cornholio. I was going to say cornholio. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the first one, the first Halloween I remember dressing up was, um, we like didn't really live in the safest area of San Jose. So it wasn't really anywhere you could, uh, trick or treat. Mm-hmm. But the first Halloween I remember celebrating, we actually went to the mall because you could go to each store and they would hand out candy to kids in costumes. So it was like trick or treating. Oh yeah. The trunk or treat thing is pretty popular these days now too. Yeah. And I dressed up as Batman, but I had like that plastic mask, you know, the ones that like cut into your eyes and your mouth oh, yeah. and real sharp. Uh, I can't believe they'd let yep. kids wear those things and you would just sweat and spit and snot would get mm-hmm. stuck underneath of them. It was gross. And then the costume was basically just like pajamas with a cape. Um, and I also remember going as like a sheet ghost, you know, where it's just like a sheet over you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holes cut out in the eyes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we didn't, I, I didn't do a lot of Halloween celebration stuff just because of the religion. Um, and then by the time, I was old enough to do whatever I wanted. Halloween wasn't cool anymore. You know what I mean? When you're older, teenager, you're like, oh, I don't want to go trick or treating. I don't want to do that. Yeah, stuff. there's that like middle area when you're about 15 to 20 or something. I feel like people in their 20s, some of them get a little rowdy, like the college people. They like mm-hmm. doing the Halloween stuff. But there definitely is that window where it's not cool to like Halloween. But I've always liked it. I've always liked it. Yeah, but I, I mean... I, th- I think that secretly I wanted to even go trick or treating or celebrate it and do stuff when I was an older team, but nobody really did. Everybody from the small town I grew up in just wanted to like do pranks and vandalism and bad shit. Yeah. I went along with it, but I was never too big of a fan of that kind of thing ever. I went along with it once. I didn't participate, but I kind of got lassoed into attending some mischief and yeah, it did not feel good just being associated with all that. Yeah. So also speaking on Halloween, of course, that comes with movies. What are some of your go-to Halloween movies? I watch horror movies year-round, but there are specific movies that you like to watch just for Halloween, right? Yeah, seasonal movies, of course. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
So the first thing that always comes to mind is the Nightmare Before Christmas mm-hmm. because it's Halloween Town and it's very spooky. But I always consider that to be more of a Christmas movie, even though it's got Same. both holidays in it. It's more focused on Christmas. Yeah. Um, but I do. I think I watch it around Halloween and around Christmas. It's like a, a dual celebration movie. It is. I agree. I absolutely agree. Speaking of dual celebrations, not in terms of holidays, but my go-to is E.T. And I'm sure you can kind of agree with that, right? For Halloween? Oh, yeah, I guess so, because the trick-or-treating. Yeah. Yeah, in the same way that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yeah, I think that movies that take place during the holiday can be considered that seasonal movie. And uh, Right, right. That being said, one of my favorites is this movie called Night of the Demons. It was... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was this... Yeah, it was this 80s sleazy teen horror movie where... Uh, they're basically just a bunch of teens that are going out to a haunted house to party and they mm-hmm. wake up the these demons that live underneath the house and they possess them and it's super raunchy and it has um, one of my favorite insults ever that I quote all the time. It's uh, this this guy with a pig nose calls this guy uh, Count Dingleberry, the flaming asshole of Transylvania. <laughs> That's always been one of my favorite insults. But uh, Night of the Demons, I think it's on Shudder. You can check it out. I recommend it as a Halloween movie. It's a ton of fun. It is good. What about you? Uh, the obvious ones, of course, would be Hellraiser, The Fly, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's kind of like my trinity that I go for oh, okay. on Halloween specifically. Not necessarily, oh well, yeah, for horror movies too, but mm-hmm. I find myself watching those three a lot around Halloween. Nice. The Fly, like the Cronenberg one or the Vincent Price one? Yeah, yeah, Cronenberg. Okay. And of course, Scream too. It's a yeah. fun fun thing screams a lot of fun i like hocus pocus um that's a good one yeah. i really like kids horror movies like kids mm-hmm. halloween movies halloween town um we actually at the convention in long beach we actually sat across from uh the cast of hocus pocus they were there just, we did i don't yeah, think thor was birch awesome. wasn't there but the other kids were there mm-hmm. and uh, they were signing taking pictures and stuff i was too nervous to go over there though i know that yeah. was too bad at least we got to throw some french fries at her yeah hocus pocus is cool and then i think my final that up on the list it's a newer one but uh in celebration of clowns and halloween terrifier the first one. Oh yeah uh, it's a great i'm halloween so excited movie. to see the second one me so too i'm, I'm to waiting for it one. to come out because i can't go to the theaters anymore i don't know yeah no hell no i, I can't sit there i can't listen to people eat and talk because nobody knows how to go to the movies anymore they've lost all social awareness of people around yeah, them common courtesy gone yeah it's completely gone no matter how many people are in the movie there could be three other people in the movie theater they're still going to be too loud they're going to be getting up they're going to be talking they're going to be eating it just ruins everything we when we saw pearl we got lucky we were far enough away from people but they were if we were sitting closer to them it would have been we would have had to leave just because people keep talking and talking and eating. So I think that anything that comes out, don't ask me if I've seen it. Nobody don't ask me. Uh, Cause I haven't, I won't see it until it comes out on streaming or physical media. Cause I just can't. Did you like Pearl? I loved Pearl. I loved it. Uh, I liked it way more than X. Nice. It was, it was like a, it was like a proper movie. And in, in fact, mm-hmm. like the first half of the movie, I didn't even feel like I was watching a Thai West horror movie. I thought I was watching like a genuine drama written by like, I can't, I, I'm maybe Stephen King. Like it was so good. Hmm. And then it became the Thai West horror movie at the end. And even then it was just so well executed, just long scenes with no cuts and monologues. And 
everything was just done so well. I recommend Pearl. I love the long scenes without cuts. That's always the most impressive thing in movies. Yeah. Like in Rope, even though I, I guarantee Hitchcock could have done that <sighs> all in one take if the film reels could have handled it. But I think yeah. he did it in three. Yeah, there was like cuts. some clever cuts. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not awesome. clever. They were obvious. But right. Oh, I love Rope. That one's a great one. Yeah, that's my favorite slept on Hitchcock movie for sure. I remember my dad taking me to the uh, to Blockbuster or Hollywood Video and him explaining that movie to me because he was renting it. And I got so mm-hmm. excited. I was like, wow, this is like a one take? He was like, yeah, it's just like this one long scene inside of a house. <laughs> like, that sounds so cool. It was so interesting to me. And uh, yeah, I liked it. I love Hitchcock though. He's so good. He is. Yeah. Um, what else can we talk about for Halloween? Oh yeah. Favorite Halloween candy, not candy that you like to eat all the time, but like something that you always get during Halloween, something that's popular during Halloween that you like. The obvious would be candy corn, but I think that's mostly because my grandma would always have it out in those little candy dishes. Yeah. Same with like the Valentine hearts. She's a very seasonal lady. So I like those. I have a fond memory of those grandma candy dishes that were really thick glass, like yeah. basically ashtrays. <laughs> she basically yeah. repurposed an mm-hmm. ashtray for mm-hmm. candy in it. <laughs> yeah, that one dish, you know, is just so important and you better not break it or else. There's also, of course, Butterfinger, because I'm not much of a sweet tooth guy, but I find myself giving in around Halloween and mm-hmm. just the holidays in general. Butterfinger are way up there, but... They got bought out. Somebody bought it from Nestle and they reformulated it. Did and they? it tastes horrible. That's oh, why it's yeah. bad. Okay. It's so bad. That's so interesting because I've always liked Butterfinger, but I've tried some recent years and I don't, I thought I just didn't like them anymore, but I guess that's what it is. Yeah. As was, soon as I found out about it, I actually went on eBay and got like a case, a small box yeah. of of original formula Butterfingers. I think they're all probably expired by now. Like oh, yeah. as far as being able to buy them, but I finished the box in uh, like six weeks. I think that's not too embarrassing. I'd like to have like a case of Butterfinger BBs with Bart Simpson on them. Oh yeah. Wouldn't that be great? I used to get those all the time. They had the special naked Butterfingers where it was only, it was only, what's the shit that's in the side of it? <laughs> I don't know. It's like an obvious thing. Like it's embarrassing that we don't know what it's called, but inside of it. Yeah. Like it's, it's just, not just like peanuts. crispy peanut butter. It's like, like a, like a wafery peanut butter. It's like, yeah, there's a certain name for it, but either way they have like a naked butter finger where they just have the chocolate on the bottom to hold it together. And the rest of it is just the, uh, that doesn't sound good. I need that chocolate. I need that palate. The chocolate's to... good. Yeah. But I used to eat them by like scraping the chocolate off with my teeth <laughs> or nibbling it like a rabbit. <laughs> so I just kind of, you know, like an Oreo, skip that process. Yeah. Uh, I, I, Butterfinger is one of those very particular candies where you could actually tell if it was fresh or if it was old and stale because it would be hard or in the, mm-hmm. the middle would just flake like, like, yeah. like fish, almost like the, like it would just flake off in your, in your mouth and it was so soft and like fluffy. Ooh, there's nothing beats, nothing beats a good Butterfinger from 1994. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. And it's funny because you mentioned like, Wait, why'd you say fish? You just said fish. Oh, because the it would like flake apart like a piece of fish. You know what I mean? Like the inside okay, okay. of it would just become like flakes in your mouth. That's what reminded me because before you said that, I was thinking the same thing about Swedish fish. Either Swedish they're, fish. They're either like really hard and chewy. Yeah. Wait, can, can it be hard and chewy? Yeah, is it's hard it and gamey is what I would say. Yeah, yeah. But then you have the ones that are just kind of like 
bigger in size and softer and yeah, the other ones that kind like of that. just like break apart yeah i don't like i, I like, like having them a little chewy bit of a bite and a little bit hard yeah, yeah i like i like yeah. my gummy candy al dente <laughs> mm-hmm. uh yeah my cousin uh came and stayed with me last year and we went and got snacks because like when he comes we will basically get unhealthy snacks and beers and just be nasty for a week and just play video games and he he got this giant bag of Swedish fish and I was like, I like them. They're okay, but he loves them. And he ate like the whole bag in a couple of days because he has no self-control and he got so oh, sick. Yeah. Like, you can't do that stuff as an adult. We can't like, I can eat one Reese's, which is my favorite. I can eat like Reese's, one Reese's yeah. and I'm done. You kidding mm. me? One, more than one Reese's cup that I go for two, but yeah, no Reese's Reese's and original Butterfinger. That's quite the toss up. Yeah, I Natalia, my wife, likes Mexican candy a lot. Um, Ooh, yeah. I don't associate that with Halloween, but I love Mexican candy. Viva Mexico. Yeah, she does too, and I, I don't understand it. I don't understand spicy and salt in the mix with sweet. Like, I like sometimes like like salty sweet, like a like a chocolate pretzel or something like that. Like some like salted mm-hmm. caramel, caramel caramel. I mixed the two, but. There's something about Mexican candy where it's too salty and too spicy, and it doesn't make sense to me. I, that's not candy to Interesting. me. Wow. That's not candy. Hmm. I like it quite a bit. Because <laughs> you, you are- like Thai food, and that has like all three profiles. Oh, yeah, but it doesn't have like, it's not candy. I'm not eating chocolate or like <laughs> strawberry with my Thai food. I mean, you could have like a mango Thai curry or something like that, but they have like the sticky rice. Yeah, yeah, it's not. No, no that's that's a bad comparison. I, I'm I'm very staunch <laughs> about my beliefs in this. Um, I don't think that Mexican candy is candy. <gasps> I know, I know. I'm not trying to hate on anybody's uh, heritage or anything. I just, I, it's not candy to me. It's too spicy and it's too salty. It's food. <laughs> it's it's not candy. It's food. Maybe that's why I like it because I like food. <laughs> Maybe that's why I just enjoy it. I, I have an know. aversion of food. Yeah, tamarind is the shit. I love tamarind. Yeah, I was just going to say that that's that's her favorite, and uh, hopefully I'll come around to that. Such an eventful uh, dialogue here between. Us. It is happy Halloween, everybody. Well, I wanted to talk as much about Halloween as we could, but I can't think of anything else to talk about for Halloween. I feel like it's all been done. You know, we're just being ourselves and keeping it real. I'm just being myself. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. If we have an exciting Halloween more than we're anticipating, I'm sure we'll keep you updated the following episode. But yeah, I mean, this yeah. is coming out on midnight Sunday night. So right at the start of Halloween. Uh, so happy Halloween, everybody. We hope you have a safe one and that you all enjoy it. And uh, we'll see you next time. This week you have heard My Parents' House by Lyric Meow Meow. Little Drummer Boy by Michaela. There Was Something in My Garage by Storming Rhino Bunny Seaside Ghosts by Jesse and finally two possible related stories by David. All the stories you heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. Remember to send your stories in to stories at oddtrails.com if you'd like to hear them on the show and if you want to get access to the ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bit rate for the best listening experience. Head over to patreon.com forward slash odd trails to support the show today. And don't forget to check out the new episodes of my other podcast, Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast, and the old time radio cast at Cryptic County Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. We'll see y'all next week for a brand new episode of Odd Trails. Stay safe. Peace out.
when the ghouls disturb you, darling.